0: The truth is, I am Iron Man. Lieutenant Diane! Inconceivable! Got a bad feeling about this. Hi, welcome to Flicks and Clicks. This is Keelan Cienfuegos and I'm joined by my brother Tyler. And surprise, surprise, if you haven't already noticed by the title of this episode, we are the other brothers. And mm-hmm. we too are going to do our top 10 movies. Oh Yeah. Um, I am very excited. I've been looking forward to this episode for a long time. I think we planned it out um, like at least a month ago, and uh, yeah, I've just been really, really excited. Um, yeah. And narrowing down top ten movies is not easy. It's hard, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like I, I'm gonna change my mind, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm pretty set on these ones. I'm feeling pretty good. I I had the the fear today as I was finalizing my my choices during my lunch break at work that there was just a movie that I had totally forgotten about that should have been in my top like three or my favorite movie of all time. And it's just something that I forgot. I don't think so. I feel pretty good about my list, but I'm, I still have that. Like, I feel like you're going to say something and, or talk about a movie. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that should have been in my list, but that it happens. It'll probably happen to me too. But, um, <laughs> Every time you look up a list of top movies, it's going to be more than 10. So narrowing it down to 10 is definitely difficult to do. There's lots of movies available. And I want to mention this disclaimer as well. There are a lot of really good movies that I have not seen. So if you're upset that it's not in my top 10, there's a good chance I haven't seen it. Just yeah, saying. Same Same with me. And again, um, this is our top 10. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, I won't speak for... Per- for Tyler but I am fairly certain like Citizen Kane probably won't be in the list could be don't want to don't want to say <laughs> anything but um uh that's one that I haven't seen so yeah me either unfortunately because again I've heard it's a great movie not just a great movie but potentially the greatest movie of all time so I just I mean but I haven't seen it yeah who knows I will probably never watch it <laughs> I've, yeah I, i've heard it's really great but i've also yeah i don't know it just doesn't grab me i if it's considered potentially the greatest movie of all time it's definitely on my to watch list but at the same time there's been a lot of movies that people say this is the best movie and i'm like yeah but so many people say that it's the best movie because other people say it's the best movie and i don't think it's the best movie <laughs> uh, yeah. An example of that, which you will not find on my list, or oh, maybe I shouldn't say this. It might be on your list. Uh, we should get into it. <laughs> Are you sh- okay. Yeah. I can say it if you want. You want me to say it? Yeah, I'm an actor. So, regardless, I'll be able to pretend like it wasn't <laughs> on my list, even if it was. Okay. So, a movie that people talk about all the time that they think is just the best is Avatar. And I think it's a good movie, but that's it. I don't think it's like the best movie people are like I saw it in theaters five times ten times (laughs) and it's definitely one of the highest grossing movies of all time I'll give it that but I think there's a reason for that I think it's kind of a one size fits all movie but anyway we're not talking about movies that didn't make the list we're talking about the movies on the list yes and that movie absolutely did not make my list so we're good (laughs) I don't know is it on your list? no okay i'm in the same boat it's fun and everything okay cool awesome well we're in the same boat then (laughs) yeah and you're talking about avatar the last airbender right i'm just kidding (laughs) no oh man speaking of which i still need to watch it anyway moving forward um tyler i was thinking we would start with you because um for those who have listened to this podcast all the way through um Anyway, I won't I'm not gonna spoil anything. I'm not even gonna allude to what mine might be. But anyway, yeah, Tyler, if you wanna start with your number ten, then okay. I'll follow up. Okay, sounds good. My number ten is probably the most is probably gonna be the biggest shocker, I think, because people are gonna be really surprised that this makes the top ten movies for me of all time. But it does. I'm excited. Um that so number ten for me is Finding Nemo. Oh. Yeah. And the reason why uh, is not because of the first time or the second time or the third time I watched it, but because (laughs) over the last several years, I've used Finding Nemo as a teaching tool. So most people have seen Finding Nemo. I use it to teach theme and things like that in my class, but that's besides the point. After talking about it so much and analyzing the plot so much, I just think it's a fantastic story. I think it's really good. I think the character development in that movie is very, very good. They're fish, but it's really good. (laughs) And uh, the opening sequence to Finding Nemo might be the best opening sequence in any movie I've ever seen. That says a lot. It's very, very good. It is really, really good. And the music to go along with it. So all these top ten movies are going to have the gamut of what makes a good movie. Like good music, it's going to have good character development, or characters in general, it's going to have a good story. That's Those are all very important things to me. And Finding Nemo hits all of those very well. And when I'm analyzing it with students and talking to them about theme, I talk to them about Nemo, and I talk to them about um, Marlin, and I talk about their both of their um, character development quite a bit and why the climax is where the climax is and why there's such a good falling action in that movie. It's so clear to identify, like it's so anticlimactic. I tell my students this all the time. The climax of the movie is very anticlimactic. It's not the part where you cry. It's not the part that is most emotional because the most emotional part for anybody in a movie is when they see that a character has changed and they can see that, that that they really, they really mean it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and in, in basic storytelling is, is what I mean. And so um, think about this with me, everybody who's seen Finding Nemo. The moment that Marlon and Dory are like swimming through the open sea in no particularly exciting area whatsoever. And all of the sudden, here comes Nemo. And Nemo's found. That's the climax of the movie. That's the <laughs> turning point. Nemo is found. And they just literally like run into each other in the ocean, like whoop. So, Because Nemo's done his own stuff, and Marlin's done his own stuff to get them to that point, for sure. But they just find each other like <laughs> <in> the most <laughs> random place ever. And it's super anticlimactic. But then there's the whole falling action of the net and bringing all those people up and swim down and all that stuff. And so you see that Marlin changes because he trusts Nemo to go into the net and tell people to swim down. And you see that Nemo has changed when he coughs up and you notice that he's alive. And he says the first words out of his mouth. These are, this is great. This is what makes me love this movie so much. Um, Marlon's so concerned. Are you okay? Are you okay? There's a great flashback scene where you, you see just the egg, you know, the cracked egg. And uh, Nemo says, I don't hate you. That's the first thing out of his mouth. Dad, I don't hate you. Because the, f- the last thing he said to his dad before he left was, I hate you. It's just such a good story. It comes all full circle. Ah. And the music is fantastic. I listen to the music all the time on my own. So Um, Underrated, even by myself for a while. Finding Nemo, fantastic story. Pixar is always good at telling stories, but I think they did an absolutely phenomenal job with Finding Nemo. Man, you're making me want to watch it again. I don't think I've watched it in... I can't even know. I don't even know how long, but... Dude. Wow. Yeah, and if you look for those things in particular, you'll enjoy the movie 10 times more, trust me. I watched oh, it again, I and I show those scenes and in class, like just little tiny clips, because you can't watch the whole movie, but like just little clips. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is nice. Man. Yeah, it's been too long since I've seen... Uh, actually, a lot of Pixar movies that I used to watch a lot as a kid, and I just haven't seen, but anyway yeah i mean there's a lot of good pixar movies out there i'll say it i'll say it once i'll say it twice i'll say it a thousand times i think (laughs) pixar's got great movies that's the only pixar movie on my list so spoiler alert but it makes my top 10 (laughs) (laughs) right on finding nemo man um moving on to my number 10 this is kind of in the same vein as tyler where it's one of the only it's the only movie of this kind that's going to be on my list um it's it's actually a documentary. Um, it's called Empire of Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> you already um, talked about this a thousand times on the podcast. I know. Yeah. Um, I think this, this came with the special edition box set of uh, the original trilogy of Star Wars. It's a documentary about the making of the original trilogy. Um, but what I enjoy so much about this documentary is that it strings together such a good narrative throughout the whole uh the whole movie um and it really follows George Lucas as he like from his college years all the way up till uh the you know the premiere of of Return of the Jedi um and it shows how he changed how his process changed how the the movie industry changed um and even some like how like just Hollywood in general changed throughout the the years from you know his early start um in filmmaking towards the end um It's just really good. Uh, And one of my favorite things about it is that they use music throughout the whole thing too. And they use Star Wars music and they use it like they would in a real movie. And like during the, you know, when like Luke's, binary sunset, when Luke's looking out into the distance, they use that in the early stages of the documentary where George Lucas is like trying to dream about what this movie is and all this stuff. And then one of my favorite things um, that gives me chills like every single time is when they do the premiere of uh, new hope, and um, if you don't know, uh, it was not expected to do very well. Um, no one really thought it was that good when they when you, they watched like early screenings. Um, no like producers wanted to produce it and everything. Uh, it was a big challenge. and so leading up to the premiere, they played the the uh, Death Star Trench Run music, which is the big climactic fight at the end of a new hope. And it's all building up, and it 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 talks about how like all the different departments in Lucasfilm and ILM um, are like really really rushing to finish the last touches, finish like little scenes and stuff, and it's they're really like down to the wire, like they do not have any time to finish this. Um, and the music is building, and it's one of my favorite pieces of music in Star Wars. And then the the movie premieres, and then it just erupts just like the Death Star explodes and everyone's like crazy cheering and clapping. And it's just, it's really good. I think it's a very well-made documentary. Um, I I watched this uh, just as much as I watched the original trilogy growing up. Um, yeah. I was just, oh man. I watched it last night even in preparation. <laughs> That's amazing. I uh, wa- remember watching it with you several times on loop even. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I'm not like a... Uh, cinephile or anything or someone who's like is really 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 into movies but i love movies a lot and i really love star wars and um i this just captures the like the magic of filmmaking in my opinion i don't know i mean i've done short films at college but i've never been exposed to that like the real uh i don't know the real the full movie making process yeah, and this is this is like really fun to watch and I can live vicariously through watching this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I absolutely love this movie. I'm so glad that it's on Disney Plus because um I lost the the special features disc. Um and so the only way I could watch this and I did watch this on YouTube, I found like bootleg versions that were like <laughs> really bad quality that I would watch still because I loved it so much. Right. Um but Yeah, that's my number ten. That's the only documentary. I felt weird putting it on there, but I also I felt even weirder not putting it on there because uh, it's one. I mean, I probably watched it most out of most of these movies that are on my list, so I felt like it needed to be on there. Speaking of documentaries, quick recommendation: if you have Disney Plus, watch Expedition Amelia. It's about Amelia Earhart and their the guy who found the Titanic. His. Uh, journey trying to find Amelia Earhart's plane, where she crashed. Wow. Um, so if you're interested in that kind of thing, I would highly suggest that you go watch it. Especially if you like documentaries, Keelan, you would love it. Yeah. Um. I. Yeah. But anyway, small recommendation. So. Is it my turn for number nine already? I think so. Yeah. Holy smokes! <laughs> All right, my number nine is Back to the Future. Ooh. <laughs> that's like that's the first Dang one that's gonna it. get you <laughs> <laughs> oh my dude, gosh dude what a great movie um all around probably the funnest one on my list um potentially and honestly what an awesome concept and for its time in a similar way to uh Star Wars really great for visual effects and the way that they made it work and like Um, just the hoverboard the actual DeLorean the fact that they picked a DeLorean y'all to be the nobody even looks at a DeLorean (laughs) as anything else but the time machine from Back to the Future that's it I can't I can't see it as anything else so and and I there's no other yeah it's just that is it so it's iconic in that way it's got tons of iconic things like that and um Really good acting in that movie, uh, quite honestly, um, and all around a very good story as well. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna tell a, a time travel story, the first thing that comes to mind is all these sci fi things and maybe going back to the dinosaurs and blah, blah blah blah. But like, the whole movie centers around him going back to when his parents were in high school. <laughs> <It's> such an <laughs> interesting concept. They yeah. picked like the smallest little jump in time. Um, in comparison to what they could have done, and that he gets there on accident, all these things. They picked just a good, it's a really good story. I think it's fantastic. Really good one-liners, a good mix of humor in there as well. (laughs) And really, the whole trilogy is fantastic. Um, But I just put the first one on here because it's hands down, in my opinion, the best one. Hands down the best one. Um, Why can't I remember the actor's name? I should have Michael Fox. Michael, yeah, Michael J. Michael Fox. Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox. Fantastic, you know, acting. Just a shame that he's not being able to to do stuff like that anymore because he he did such a good job um in this whole trilogy, really. And uh, yeah. he's a really good actor. So he could have been he could have been in so many more things, Indiana Jones esque mm-hmm. or whatever. He could have been any of those types of characters. Yeah, but um. But yeah, I really like Back to the Future. I remember watching this movie because it came on for some reason it came on TV all the time at our house. Do you remember that, Keelan? hmm Yep. For some reason, this was the one that made it onto the very few channels that we had that showed movies <laughs> like regularly. And so we would see I'd seen the whole trilogy because of that. We also, way back in the day, rented it a few times <laughs> from a video store. I don't know if you remember that. I don't. We totally did. The Everson video place the one that is a subway now it used to be a video rental shop a long time ago really <laughs> yeah you don't remember that no yeah man vaguely i remember something in ever like a video shop in everson but in- where the subway was yeah it was right there yeah it was right oh my there my gosh so <laughs> Anyway. Whoa. <laughs> um, Looks like I need to go back to the future. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and that's the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> eh. We're not allowed to continue anymore. Um no, back back to the future is my number 9 better than finding Nemo, but um too much n- there's nostalgia wrapped up into it, but I also think it's a fantastically done movie. Um they didn't overdo it with the effects either. It's just it's just yeah. good. Also, another example of really, really good music. Fantastic. Yeah. Really good music. Like, I listened to not just the actual score itself, but also the actual music choice. They they got some songs for that show. Oh my gosh, you guys. They picked the right songs. <laughs> like, oh, it's so opening bad. up with Back in Time, like Huey Lewis and the News. Oh, God, I love it. I love it. So, um, very good movie. Yes, love it, man. I can't believe I—that's not on my list. Oh, it's that's the one that I was worried about. <laughs> <laughs> and we're only at number nine. Oh, you can't man. change it now. It's, it's locked in. You you texted <laughs> me earlier and said locked in. So I know, I know. I was all Back Proud to the Future will me. never be on your top ten. I know. I'm not <laughs> allowed to watch it. Oh, jeez. Uh, that'd be a different oh. list. Top. So ten movies you would have to watch for the rest of your life you couldn't change. Ooh. That'd be a different one. That'd be a different list. Let me tell you right now. Yeah, absolutely. otherwise I'd be depressed. <laughs> that gives you an idea <laughs> of what's coming next. Uh, um. All right, my number nine is Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> There's no way it's actually on your top ten. <laughs> yeah, dude. You can. See, I'll show you in Zoom. That's insane. <laughs> i <laughs> I love this movie so much it's it's our dad's favorite or one of his favorites um so he grew up watching it and it's just a ridiculous silly eighties movie um about a trucker who gets just in over his head with like deep Chinese magic in San Francisco and there's a whole underground labyrinth of like tunnels and monsters and crazy old wizard dudes and <laughs> Oh, it's so good. The music is really good, but it's, it stars Kurt Russell who just nails the part of, uh, Jack Burton. Um, He's just like, he's just this trucker who's kind of sleazy, but he, he, you know, he has a heart of gold, you know, he does the right <laughs> thing in the end. Um, but, oh, it's just, I love them. It's, it balances comedy and action, um, in such a good way, at least for me. Um, That being said, I did show it to all my friends at college last year because I was, I got it because I worked at a FYE, which uh, sells used movies and stuff. And I found it on Blu-ray for like $5. I was like, heck yeah, I'll buy it. And I was like, we got to watch this movie. It's so good. And everybody hated it. Um, (laughs) I was the only one who liked it. Uh, But yeah, no, I really, I really, really love this movie. I still love that movie. It didn't make my top 10, but I still love that movie. And it's like, you're totally right. Um, I don't think there's another role on the planet Earth that was made more for Kurt Russell than Jack Burton. Like, he just nails it. And the way he delivers his lines is just so funny. (laughs) Did you pay your dues, Jack? Yes, sir. The check is in the mail. And he's talking to himself over the CB. Yeah.
1: Yes, sir. The check is in the mail,
0: (laughs) and he like eats his big bite of the sandwich thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's so good. Um, I really, I mean, it's I don't have much more to say on it because it's not like a super fan. Like objectively speaking, it's not like there's not deep themes or anything with Mm. it. But I just really, really enjoy it. It's a comfort food movie for me, for sure. But yeah, no, that's a good one. I would like to watch it again. It's been too long since I've watched it. I'm pretty sure I watched it with Melanie, my wife, uh for you listeners. I'm pretty sure I watched it with her once <laughs> I said this is my dad's favorite movie and she was like, "What is this?" <laughs> <laughs> it is a weird one. You have Maybe. to be like, you have to like sit down and be like, "Okay, I'm going to waste some time like and just have yeah. some fun." Yeah. But it, it like it carries, like it it keeps the momentum up like the entire time. It just keeps getting crazier and crazier. Yeah. Um for sure. No, it's 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 a good one it's worth a watch for sure i remember there's a there's a part where he runs over the old wizard uh in his semi truck but he he runs him over and then he looks in the mirror and he stands up the wizard does that he just ran over and then like white light starts to stream out of his eyes and his mouth and he's like doing all these hand things and uh my friend cole uh if you're listening i know you listen to some of these um he was very scared of this part. Back when we were really little, uh when we were probably a little too young to watch a movie like this, but <laughs> we would watch it and that even me too, I that was the part where we would kind of just like turn away cuz it was a little spooky, but mm. yeah. Good good times. <laughs> What a movie, oh my gosh! remember when the guy like blows up, that's his power, he like yeah. blows up and explodes, oh, and the okay, the thing that that Jack Burton cares about most for the majority the reason why he's like really in deep with uh like solving this mystery is they steal his truck, and his truck is called the Pork Chop Express, <laughs> so that is the movie for you, yeah, yeah, oh my gosh. It's very good. (laughs) It's because they steal his truck. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's insane. Okay. All right. Are we moving on? (laughs) Yeah, moving on. Oh, big trouble in Little China. Um, (laughs) Number. It sounded like an expletive. I know. Oh, (laughs) big trouble. Big trouble trouble in Little China. (laughs) And it's Little China because it's in Chinatown in San Francisco. Oh, gosh. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, my number eight is... Interstellar. Ooh, I have not seen that one. Oh, really? You haven't? No. Wow. Okay. Well, I think that this is a fantastic movie. Um it's space but in a different way. And it's also I uh, like the concept of it cuz the whole concept of it is basically like um Earth is coming to an end cuz we've destroyed it. The only thing we can now grow is corn. And so like we need to get off the planet type of thing. And so it's the last-ditch effort of human beings to try and find another place that is inhabitable. Um, and I think, it's a, I think it's a really solid movie all around. It's got a really good story. One of the coolest things about this movie, though, and I remember talking about this with all my friends when it came out, is that they did audio in such a way that uh, was super, super impressive. So they had really well-timed silence. They have... A score, a soundtrack that's really perfectly suited for this movie. So it's not some movie soundtracks I'll listen to on my own time. Some of the tracks may be from this one, but but the tracks are literally designed for what is happening in the movie to to uh, such an extent that it's kind of hard to listen to you just driving in mm-hmm. your car. It's literally supposed to sound like you know creepy in space, what's going on type stuff. Mm. Um, it's not a scary movie, but it is definitely a uh, I would I don't know if I'd put it in a thriller, but it's it's a weird one, definitely kind of a mysterious. Um, they also did a lot of scientific research for this movie, which is another reason why I think it's so good. Is like what would it be like if you um, got too close to the singularity of a of a black hole? Like how would it warp time and how would things be different? There's a point in the movie where um, spoiler alert if you haven't seen Interstellar, it's not a huge deal, but because they know about it, but um, they they got a buddy in the ship and they know that when they send people down to this planet, every five minutes is going to be equal to so like four years and they end up, you know, running into a little bit of trouble and they end up being on the planet for like, it's literally like 10 minutes of the movie and they get back up to the ship and the dude has aged, you know, eight years. He's been sitting up there for eight years waiting for them to come back. So it's wow. just, it's insane. Um, so it's a really cool movie. Lots of cool concepts that are explored. What would it be like to pass through a black hole? All of those things mm-hmm. are are explored in this movie. Um, and, of course, that's all theory. We don't really know, but it's very interesting. So, good story mixed with really cool sci-fi. If you're a sci-fi fan, this movie's for you. And if you really like good soundtracks that fit movies, also another good fit for you. Um, and a really good, really good acting to be done as well. Um, so... Christopher Nolan as well. So if mm-hmm. you are a Christopher Nolan fan, like most people in the world, uh, sorry Josiah, Krangy, if you're if you're listening to this, he's just does he not like Christopher Nolan? Well, he doesn't like Christopher Nolan because everybody likes Christopher Nolan. Oh. Trust me, me and him have had a long conversation about this. <laughs> um, I think Christopher Nolan's a fantastic director, but uh, it's a really good movie. So there's my number eight. Yeah, that's one that, since it came out, I've been saying, oh yeah, I need to watch that, and then I just never do. I think I, I keep waiting for it to be on a streaming service when I can just, I can spend the three bucks it takes to rent it or whatever, but I just never do. But I need to get on that because I've heard so many good things about it. Mm-hmm. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, you, Matthew McConaughey. Any movie with him is worth watching. <laughs> I can't all right, say. all right, all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from me, you probably seen maybe like three Matthew McConaughey movies. Anyway. I like. I've only watched movies with him being older, and so everyone's like, "Oh, he's such a heartthrob," and like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you like raisins, <laughs> <laughs> he still looks good for his age, though. I will give he him does. that. But yeah. yeah, so. Oh man! All right, that was your number eight. Yes, sir. My number eight. This one I had a really hard time with, not because I was putting it... like I didn't have a hard time with where to put it in my list, but which one to put, and that's Lord of the Rings. This is... Do we have to specify which one? Yes, I'm going to. Okay, just making sure. Go ahead. Yeah. My number eight is Lord of the Rings and the Two Towers. I, I literally, legitimately had literally, legitimately, had, had um, all three of these at various points when I was making this list. Um, and it wasn't until at lunch today when I f- decided that Two Towers was going to be the one I'd pick. Um, when I first watched Lord I was a pretty late, late bloomer when it comes to Lord of the Rings watching. Um, I was, I think, like 8th grade. I had seen Bits and Pieces before, um, but aside from that, haven't watched them. And then the first time I watched them, I watched, I was at a, a, like a movie marathon where we watched all three of them extended edition at Micah's house, actually. Um, and I remember like really crying at the end of it. Cause I was like, this is amazing. How could I have missed this? You know? Um, and the reason why I picked number two is I think it, it has all the highs that are from the other movies. um, Like, One uh, Fellowship, you know, misses some of the things, and Return of the King misses some of the things, and granted, uh, Two Towers probably misses some of the things, too, but I think it's the most consistently great in my eyes. Um, They're all really great movies, but, I mean, it has everything from, like, really good character development from, uh, you know, like, especially Sam, Frodo, and even Gollum has a huge arc. Um, It has a huge, like, you know, the great battle at Helm's Deep, just amazing the the ending with Gandalf coming over the ridge with the sun in his back and the music and Sam's speech is is one of my favorite moments in all of like fantasy. It's so good. I, it chills every time. I'll say that a lot probably, but um, yeah, I think especially Gollum. And, you know, he's in for maybe five seconds in the Fellowship, but I mean, Andy Serkis it just absolutely kills it as Gollum. And especially with, he has more of an arc in this one than than in the other ones, um, well, in, rather than three. But um, yeah, no, it, it's just, it's so good. The the fellowship is split by this point. And so you get a bunch of different storylines and different areas of Middle-earth. And it really like broadens what you think of when you think of Middle-earth, at least in the, the film. Um, Rohan is one of my favorite places uh, in Middle-earth and the music that accompanies it and the writers of of Rohan and it's just it's so great and i i love it's it was really hard for me to pick number 2 but um if i had to gun to my head i would probably pick this one as my favorite it just has everything that i want out of a fantasy movie or story for that matter um really really good yeah so just to be clear the other ones don't even make the list They don't even make the list. Wow. I, well, here's, I don't know. I guess we didn't really talk about these types of rules. And it's fine if you have multiple from a series. I stuck to one movie from a series um, more so because I just wanted to rattle off a bunch of different types of movies, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, if we were talking about just movies I enjoyed the most and I could do as many from any series, it would probably be mostly Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. (laughs) Right. Like, if I really (laughs) had to boil it down to which movies I enjoy watching the most, those are the ones I always go back to. Right. Um, But anyway, yeah, that is my number eight. 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 Well, my number seven is Fellowship of the Ring. Ooh. Yeah. I think that this is the best start to a story that it's so relatable is the thing. You start in such a humble place, And then when you put it in perspective and you think about where they're going to end up and all of the things that they're going to go through, it's just amazing. They spend so much time in the Shire. And Mm -hmm. I'm I'm like, let me back up for a second. The first time I watched all of the Lord of the Rings, I was bored because I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) So I could not get myself to pay attention because I couldn't keep up with all the names and the lore of the land and everything. And so it took me... It took me a couple watches in order for me to understand what was all going on and to understand the story. Once I did get it. Wow. Like I love the Lord of the Rings series. It's one of my favorite series of all time. Absolutely. Um, It just took me a while to get there. But when I think about them, I think uh, Fellowship of the Rings stands out to me the most because they set up everything so well. And from uh, the perspective of storytelling, that's the hardest thing to do, in my opinion, is to set something up really well to make it so impactful in the later uh, movies, like Sam's speech. and um, Mm -hmm. He has multiple speeches throughout the whole thing that are (laughs) fantastic, but Sam's speech and um, the ultimate climax at the very end of Return of the King, all of those things are set up really well um, to be prepared for in Fellowship of the Ring. We're introduced to all the characters. We get to see them all together, which I think is fun, knowing that they're going to split. And... um, yeah, I just think it's a really good start to a story because of that. It's relatable on so many levels. People that are like Frodo and Sam, they relate to the hobbits. People that are like, you know, somebody that's a homebody relates to the hobbits. Somebody that's more of a warrior type person is going to relate a lot more with Aragorn. Somebody who's, uh, um, or, or sorry, in the fellowship of the ring, it's more so somebody who's kind of a sleuth, but you know, they kind of have that, that feeling. Um, it's just it's a really good setup. Uh when Frodo first goes invisible with the ring, um mm-hmm. that's super epic and you don't know what's going on and watching his transformation. I think these movies have really good actors that had a really good grasp on their characters and it was cast so well. I would not have picked like if I was trying to think of like, "Oh, who would I pick for Frodo?" Like I just can't see myself picking the same people objectively, but they picked them and they're perfect in the mm-hmm. movie and they do such a good job. So um anyway, Elijah Wood. Well done. Well done. Yeah. Oh man. So so good. And like what you said about how it's such a perfect beginning. I think Return of the King is such a perfect ending, too. A lot right. It got a lot of flack for having so many different endings because the ending takes like half an hour to 45 minutes or whatever, but I love it. Yeah, mm-hmm. world-building is really good, and Fellowship definitely does a phenomenal job with that. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on. Seven, Harry Potter, and... The Prisoner of Azkaban. Good. <laughs> this is. I don't. At least in my my like friend group at Corbin, I'm uh, alone in this. Um, but holy cow! I think this is far and away the best Harry Potter movie. Um, partially because it doesn't have Voldemort in it. Um, every single other one, except for Half Blood Prince, kind of. Um. It it always ends with Harry going toe to toe with Voldemort, and it's like, he, obviously he's gonna he's gonna win. Is, you know, is, there might be some struggle here and there, but he's gonna win. Um, this one has none, no Voldemort at all. They they might say his name a couple times, but the main antagonist is Sirius Black, who is played by Gary Oldman, who is phenomenal. Um, and uh, I don't know. This is the last harry potter movie to be composed by john williams but there's something about the like the entire sound design of this movie that is different from all the other ones the way the noise that happens when like they cast spells is is different from one and two it's different from four five six and seven and eight um i don't know what it is but there's something about the atmosphere of this movie that just knocks it out of the park in my opinion um this is also not to get like to make it seem like i'm nostalgic about it or anything but this is the first harry potter movie that i like really really watched i remember watching the first one and screaming when that dude had the face on the back of his head and i was really scared and i remember leaving the room and i was crying and my mom had to like hold me and everything and blah blah, blah. that was dumb and then i remember i remember the day that i watched this for the first time it was just me tyler and my dad at home uh and we were—I think we got like pizza or something—and we were going to watch a movie. We were going to order a movie off on demand, um, on Comcast. And it was between two. It was between iRobot and Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban because that had just come out. And we watched the trailer for both. And for some reason, iRobot scared the crap out of me. The, something about the smooth robots just didn't jive with me as a kid. Um, and so we decided to watch Harry Potter. And the Dementors didn't scare me for some reason. And I remember. Like, it was either Tyler or dad was like, you were scared of the robots, but you weren't scared of this. Um. Anyway, that was a side tangent. But this movie, <laughs> it's just so good. The the character development for, like, legitimately all the characters are really good. Um, And the twists and turns that happen towards the end, the reveal that Scabbards is actually um, Peter Pettingrew, and that Sirius Black is Harry's uh, godfather, and that Sirius Black isn't actually a bad guy, that Lupin is best friends with Sirius Black and they were all best friends with Harry's dad and all that like it just keeps building on itself until the end and it's 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 just such a big climax and then you get that glimpse of like um Sirius saying, "You know what, Harry? You should come live with me." And Harry's like, "Yeah, that'd be really great." And like things are really good, but then they have to go back in time and things get screwed up and um this is another movie that I think does time travel really well. Um and it's only towards the end where time travel starts getting involved. Um, uh, this is also one of the, I think, the first movie and moment where Harry Potter really becomes like Harry Potter doing stuff by himself, where he takes on all the all the Dementors. Um, he does, you know, he defeats Voldemort in the first one by like touching him and love and all that. You know, it was all pretty and great. Um, and then uh, in Chamber of Secrets, he gets helped by the uh, the Phoenix and everything. But this is him taking on hundreds of dementors by himself and it's just oh it's so good um i thoroughly thoroughly enjoy this movie it's it's yeah by far my favorite harry potter movie um that yeah. uh that one is so that one's not on my list but it was on my list at one point okay um that's my favorite one too for sure sweet i remember watching the advertisements for it and one of the things they put in the advertisement was him screaming, Expecto Patronum! And uh, I was like, what the heck is he doing? <laughs> and then I watched the movie, and I don't know why, but every time he screams that, I freaking want to cry. It's, it's such so a good, good character development moment. Um, that's that's what you just mentioned, him coming and defeating all the, the mentors mm-hmm. um, and coming into his own... And he thinks it's his dad that's the patronus, and that's, he is the patronus. It's just like that he's literally yeah. becoming a man. Yeah, so. he's always he's always held on to his parents, um, and he was certain all up until the very second he decides to go out and, and cast expecto patronum that his dad is going to save him. And he like, there's a split second where he's like, "No, it's it's me," and he like, he runs it and does it. Yeah, and he doesn't I, say that, and I think that's perfect. Yeah. He just goes and does it, and it's so good. Yeah that that expecto patronum moment. um, I reenacted that a lot actually, in in recess (laughs) at school in elementary school, Um, and it's very cringy to think about that, but it (laughs) happened multiple times. So, (laughs) right. I think another. Uh, I was just thinking about this, but another reason why I think it makes me want to cry is that he's he's realizing that oh it's me, but he's also realizing oh it's not my dad. So it's a mixture of both of those things and then him coming out there and doing it. It's just insane. Yeah. So Uh, good. Um, yeah. Good choice. I like that one. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, my number six. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Number six for me is Batman, Dark Knight, another Christopher Nolan film. Um, I'm just going to come out and say it. It's because of Heath Ledger's, Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker. I cannot stop watching that performance. And I know people talk about that all the time. It's probably been overly talked about. People probably talk it up like way too much. But seriously, it's so entertaining to watch. And it's a take on the Joker that I just don't think I really expected. I think it's a good take on the mm-hmm. Joker. Yeah. Um. And I just, I didn't expect somebody to portray it that way. I think it's, just perfect. Very good performance. Um, and all around, it's a good movie. It's very interesting. Um, that that was not a very good thing to say about a movie. It's very interesting. <laughs> it's a very interesting movie. Um, but the, the whole... Everything about the whole idea of Batman is very appealing to me because he's... It's like the darkest... The dark area. It's called Batman Dark Knight. And it's like he's wrestling, especially in this movie, with the whole idea of... In, in every movie, really anything Batman, he's wrestling with being a vigilante and not being liked by people while at the same time still saving people and having some really crazy people out there that really do, like need somebody special to come after them. <laughs> and he's a regular human being. That's, I think, one of my favorite things about Batman is he's a regular dude with sick gadgets. Yeah. Um, and uh, obviously, he's super strong, works out and stuff, you know. <laughs> um. <laughs> But it's a really good movie. Um, but just every Joker moment, I just can't... It's so like it's so good. I just can't stop thinking about each one of them. And like the unscripted things, like when he... The thing I think about the most often was the unscripted thing with the hospital where it's supposed to... This big scene, it's supposed to blow up. They're literally blowing something up. And I remember they didn't do special effects there. That's legit them blowing it yeah. up. And so... They had one chance to get it right. And Heath Ledger, like, presses the button or whatever and, like, one little thing happens and he, he does it exactly like the Joker would. He's like, what the heck? This thing's broken. He, like, pushes the button a bunch more times and all <laughs> of a sudden, like, everybody didn't know that there was a problem but then it started going and so he freaks out jumps in the bus and goes, like, props to the cameraman for keeping it rolling and getting ready to go. Props to him for keeping up with his, you know, being in character and just, oh my goodness, just fantastic. And uh, yeah. I also continuously think of storyline wise, I continuously think of the Joker hanging upside down with Batman, and the the relationship between Joker and Batman is so fascinating because Joker gets at the fundamental issues with having somebody like Batman, and you know, Batman doesn't kill, but Joker always puts him in situations where he like wants to kill Joker and Mm -hmm. also puts him in situations where the only option is to kill the Joker. So it's like, Oh man, it's such a, it's such an interesting story concept. I really like it. So yeah, it's my number six. Um, It makes me think of, you know, if, you know, uh, if Heath Ledger didn't pass, um, what his involvement would have been in the, in the trilogy, or in the in the third movie, I guess. Um, yeah, it just he. Yeah, one of the best performances I've ever seen. Yeah, it's so good. Um. All right, my number six is Goodfellas. Have you seen Goodfellas? I don't think I have. No, it's it's a Martin Scorsese uh, gangster film. If you say Mar- Martin Scorsese, you probably already pictured a gangster film. Um, but nice. it, it follows uh, Henry Hill, who is a real person, um, and it's not you know it's not super truthful, uh, I imagine. But um, it follows him as a kid in the '50s, all the way through uh, the '80s when he join you know he joins the the mob and eventually gets out and becomes a, he testifies against them. Um, then goes into witness protection. Um, but it's, I don't, this is one of the movies that I saw on TV. I was, I think it was a Saturday and I was just trying to find something to do. I was flipping through the channels and I managed to catch this movie, uh, as it started. And I was like, oh, I heard a lot about this. I'll, I'll try watching it. And I was hooked the entire time and it's a pretty long movie. Um, and you know, it it has, uh, Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci, uh Joe Pesci, uh, if you don't recognize the name, he plays uh, one of the robbers in Home Alone. I don't know what his... Not Marv, the other one. Oh. Harry. Yeah. No. Maybe... Yeah, Harry. Harry. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The one with the gold tooth. Um, he is so, so good in this movie. Um, and I remember, I think before watching this, this uh, Home Alone was the only movie I saw Joe Pesci in. And then seeing him in this role... I was kind of floored, but at the same time, I was like, this seems like it was made for him. Like his voice and his mannerisms and everything, it just, it fit really well. Um, and I love movies that take place over a long period of time. Uh, this one takes place, uh, you know, almost like 30 years. Um, and so you get to see, especially through music and wardrobe and cars and just the overall setting, you get to, you get to see that time period change. Um, and the music is really good. Uh, kind of like what you said with um, Back to the Future, uh, Scorsese chose a lot of really good uh, songs uh, to play on the radio and stuff as the time progressed, um, and so you really get a feel for it that way. Um, and it's not—it's a movie that doesn't have like a a huge climactic finish. Um, it's pretty anticlimactic too, I, I guess I would say. Um, but I remember the the opening. Is so great. You, it's it's Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and then um, Ray Liotta, who plays Henry Hill, who is the main character, um, driving in a car at night, and you don't really know what's going on. And they're just driving, and then you hear this like boom, 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 and they're like, what, did we hit something? And they pull over, and they all walk to the back, and they see their trunk getting hit. And so they open it up, and there's a guy who's all beaten up and tied up. And then Joe Joe Pesci grabs a knife and stabs him a bunch of times. And then Robert De Niro walks over and shoots the guy a bunch of times. And then Ray Liotta goes over and he slams the trunk down. And then the it like freeze frames on him, and it, it has a little voiceover. and He's like, "Ever since I was a kid, I wanted to be a gangster." And then it opens up with like the bomb, 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 bomb with like the big band jazz music, and it's so it's such a like a strong like just a big bang to open up the movie and it's all about Ray Liotta growing up thinking he wants to be a gangster and he gets in there and he's like this is these people are crazy they're killing people I don't want to be part of this and he he struggles with it and then he you know goes into drug addiction and everything and then it it follows his story about finally getting out and turning on all these people who like really were like you know it's all about family and stuff and he's the one who said he believed in that and then by the end he turns on all of them because he has to get out to save his family and it's like it's so good and yeah I absolutely love this movie Um yeah. that's insane I can't believe I haven't watched it it sounds like a great movie it's it's really good good um, fellas yeah it's definitely well obviously yeah it's up there in my, in my favorite movies of all time <laughs> yes anyway dang that's you my you going to watch that one for sure you should. I have it. I might have a digital code, maybe. But. Mm, I have to take you up on that. Okay. <laughs> uh, We're halfway there. My number five. Number five for me is Gladiator.
1: Yes. Very good
0: movie. And one of the first movies that really got me into movies, I would say. I watched it at Micah's house. He said it was a really good movie. I was interested in watching it. And I remember it was late. Sometimes when I would be at Micah's house overnight, I would like we would watch a movie and I'd fall asleep. Um, And he'll attest to that for sure. But (laughs) with this one, it was late enough to where I might have fallen asleep, but I didn't because I just liked it so much. Micah fell asleep because he had watched it before several times, Um, but I did not fall asleep. I was like, Oh, I got to watch this movie. It's so good. And it was a really good movie. Um, I really like the idea of a fallen hero who, who's misunderstood. They didn't fall because Mm -hmm. they were bad necessarily, but because they're misunderstood or, you know, politics in this case or assassination. Um, And who doesn't like a good revenge story? (laughs) And There's such a good, such a good satisfying revenge story in this. And it's like, it's, it's the most epic thing. Cause you think so many times uh, he has to beat the odds and he does over and over and over again, all the way up to the point where, um, you even he's even going to die but he still wins <laughs> yeah oh it's so good plus i love the roman empire Here, anything about the roman empire is is fascinating to me i don't love the roman empire but it's fascinating <laughs> to me to watch that kind of stuff and to be able to see something that's you know roman coliseum is mm-hmm. really cool i've done a little bit of research on this movie and watch some behind the scene the scenes stuff. And it sounds like it was an absolute blast to make. And what I didn't realize is that Russell Crowe actually got quite a bit of creative freedom as an actor in this movie. And I remember watching one of the interviews with them and he was saying something like, um, he, he, he would, uh, he would do a take and, and he'd be like, you know what? I want to try it this way instead. I really want to do it with this. And they'd be like, okay, we'll do it you know. That's awesome. And so um they it, you know movies are such expensive such expensive things. Uh and so for him to get that is kind of ridiculous really because you want to run a tight ship but they let him have it and they and so it sounds like he had a lot of fun on this on this role and it paid off because man he does a really good job in this movie. And yeah. it's such an interesting movie because it, it is historic it's historical in a sense it takes place in a historical time and they use historical names but it's not a historical fi- like i mean i guess you could consider it historical fiction but they weren't going for that they were just going for a good story and they yeah. nailed it i think it's a really good story very good redemption story very good revenge story very good um believable villain who gets destroyed i love it yeah it's awesome that is a great great movie um not on my list but it was uh, go- it could have been it was one of those ones that was floating back and forth. Um, was it yeah. Russell Crowe and Joaquin Phoenix, like yeah, going head to head? I love it. It's crazy. I think I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Ridley Scott is doing a sequel to that. Like fairly recently, he he decided to do one. Um, not sure how that's going to work, but yeah, um, we shall see. Did, that's that's a movie that I hope they don't make a sequel. Does that make sense? Just it's yeah. not going to be as good. If it takes place anywhere near that story or has anything to do with that story, it won't be. I don't think. Yeah, it'll be good. But that's just my. I'm with you. Um, <clears throat> my number five is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yes. Um. Holy smokes! I love. Well, yeah, I would say I love all the, the first three Indiana Jones. Um, but this one is just i think it's it's just a hair above raiders of the lost ark um sean connery plays uh indy's dad knocks it out of the park obviously um their relationship the chemistry they have between each other is really good um the character development between well yeah with both of them with both indy and his dad um the way it, it all comes to to head at the end when everything's like falling down and stuff, it's just it's it's really good um the the music is really good. I think it's it has some of my best themes. The the theme between Indy and his dad is so good. I listen to that a lot when I'm working and stuff. Um it has so many set pieces. It starts off with a chain, a chain, a train chase scene. Um with with a young Indy played by um River Phoenix, um, which I think is really good because you don't know it's Indiana Jones and it's, you just think it's some weird kid. And then it, he goes into this cave, and there's this guy in a leather jacket with a fedora on, and you're like, "That's Indiana Jones." And it turns, he turns around, and it's not Indiana Jones. You're like, "What the heck?" And then Indy's friend is like, "Indy, Indiana," and you realize the kid is Indiana Jones. And <laughs> oh, it's, it's it's really good um, how they incorporated um, how like Harrison Ford got a scar when with Kid Indy when he's like trying to whip, and he he gets himself in the chin, um, and how he gets his hat by. Uh, that one dude who I don't even think he's named. Um, he, he says, "You lost, kid," but that doesn't mean you have to like it. And he puts the the hat on young Indy. Oh, it's any he Indy puts his head down and raises it up, and then it's Harrison Ford. Oh, it's so good. One of my favorite transitions ever. Yes. Um. Yeah, but yeah, the train chase. It has a boat chase. It has a plane chase, and it has a tank chase slash fight scene between Indy on a horse and a, a just a tank, just. <laughs> that that happens um yeah it's it's really good and then um yeah the relationship between uh, indy and his dad i think is very very beautifully done in this movie which is it's indiana jones it's just a fun action movie but i think that relationship and the development is just so so awesome and it's it's really heartfelt and um yeah they ride off into the into the sunset at the end like literally they ride off into the sunset as the credits roll <laughs> yeah. and the credit, the credits roll for like 10 minutes as they're you, you, The camera stays on them as they just ride their horses into the sunset. It's yeah. awesome. It's so good. I love that movie so much. That's my number five. I always think of the line cause they, they put that theme in and then, you know, in, uh, Indiana's dad is holding on to his son who's like hanging on a ledge Trying to grab the the Grail, mm-hmm. and it like they ramp up his voice, um, and they quiet down the music, but they played like the most humble of the music that's available. And uh, yeah, and then he says, "Indy, Indiana," and he never calls him Indiana. He calls him. He always junior. called him Junior. Yeah. <laughs> Let it go. Oh, there's so much in those words, especially because. The whole time you're you're just following his crazy dad who's obsessed and has been obsessed for years and years, even through Indy's childhood, about the Holy Grail and the very thing he's saying to let go is the Holy Grail. It's just insane. Yeah. Oh, it's ah, it's so good. Mm -hmm. I get chills every time I think about that. That moment is very, very good. Oh, so good. Yeah. Okay. Am I going on to my next one? Yeah. We're getting close to top three. Number four for me, I had this one. uh, At one point, it was at number one. Then it was number two. Then it was number three because of the top three that I have on here. Um, I'm looking at it now. I'm like, ooh, I'm I'm pretty sure. I'm sticking with it. I'm not going to change my mind. Okay, so yes, number four is Forrest Gump. Ooh, yes. I love Forrest Gump if I was to describe Forrest Gump, I've tried to do this many times and, you know, it takes either a really long time or you just can't really quite capture it. Um, but I think a good description of Forrest Gump is, um, beauty, literally one word. I think everything that you would hope for and that's beautiful, uh, is wrapped up in Forrest Gump himself as a character, literally. So like, um, what people want is somebody who makes, like, kind of innocent, good choices all the time. And because of who Forrest Gump is, he kind of just does that. Regardless of the fact that people use him, regardless of the fa- fact that people abandon him, uh, regardless of the fact that he had, at one point, uh, physical disability, he overcomes those things. And um, it's just a really heartfelt, heartwarming story um, about somebody who who who's good, who beats who beats it out in the end, who's just always good and just ends up good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's just something great about it. Cause you see him go through adversity and hard times, but he's always just good. He always makes the right decision. <laughs> like even when he's getting bombed, he's making the right decision. It's just yeah. insane. So, uh, so it's just a really heartwarming story. It's so much fun to watch. It makes me cry at various points because it's just such a good representation of, goodness and what we would hope for what something beautiful could be a beautiful life a representation of a beautiful life um so for for that reason i like um i like this movie and it's you know it's a longer one but it's a good one and so quotable yes and once again i mean i'm going to say this for every single one again fantastic score really really good music in forrest gump as well like everything all these movies if you didn't know this already score and soundtrack in a movie makes all of the difference if you ask me if you watch certain scenes without music they sound cheesy or if you sound or if you listen to certain uh um, scenes in music without music they'll just sound powerless but the music makes all the difference so that's why all these have such great soundtracks why we like them so much is partially or largely due to their soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. One of my one of my favorite moments of Forrest Gump is the end um when he sees his son and for m- the majority of the movie you think like does does Forrest like understand w- like what's I don't want to say what's wrong with him but like what's different about him what like and he sees his son and he asks Jenny is he like me? Yeah and he's tearing up while he asks that and oh that part gets me every single time yeah um, like does he know he's different oh yeah he does you just don't yeah. get you don't get to see that until that moment yeah it's oh it's so beautiful holy smokes um yeah my number 4 is Batman Begins i Love all three of the the Christopher Nolan uh, Batman movies, of the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, the reason why I pick Batman Begins is because I think it's the best uh, origin story for uh, a superhero, or not? I guess he's not a superhero, but one of the best origin stories for a hero on film, uh, in my opinion. Um, you see it from you know f- from Bruce Wayne as a child, uh, all the way through him becoming Batman. But one one of my Favorite things is when the killer who killed his parents is on trial. He goes, Bruce Wayne goes there with a gun in hand to kill the guy, and someone else beats him to it and everything. He was like seconds away from being a murderer. And uh Rachel finds sees the gun in his hand and slaps him and everything, and then um that's when he decides to leave Gotham. And I think he realized, you know, at that moment he's like, I had like I'm dangerously close to becoming what I am fighting against basically and he leaves to become something else and the training with uh Liam Neeson uh Razal Ghul um it's such it's one of my favorite sequences when he has to climb the mountain and when he's training on the ice and um when they're fighting and Liam Neeson's like your fa- or your parents' death wasn't your fault and then they like lock swords and then there's a little pause and then Liam Neeson is like, it was your father's. And then Bruce like really gets angry and they fight and everything. It's just, it's really good. Um, and it shows Bruce Wayne, um, really struggling with like who he is and who he's fighting to be. Um, and I think he has really strong pulls to be, be the monster and like give to his hate. Um, but he has that strict code and he, he sticks to it and, um, you know becoming something greater than yourself he's not batman the superhero he's like batman the symbol and like that's the thing he fights to be he wants to be greater than a person um and i really like that message um not vigilant vigilantism but anyway <laughs> um <laughs> right yeah i think there's there's a lot of depth i know this has been said a lot of times on reviews and other podcasts but uh christian bale essentially has to play three different characters he plays uh, Bruce Wayne as himself. He plays Bruce Wayne, the eccentric billionaire, and he plays Batman. And it's all very distinct. You get to see the different versions of himself. And it's, it's really cool to see, uh, again, Liam Neeson. Awesome as ever. Michael Caine is such a great Alfred. Um, and Morgan Freeman is really good. Gary Oldman is in this, uh, as a uh, commissioner Gordon. Uh, yeah, they're all, all super good. Um, yeah and oh it, my it's gosh. Very- I never realized Gary Oldman d- is the guy who plays Sirius black, yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, why do I recognize that guy? That's why, okay, oh my gosh, wow, yeah okay. <laughs> um yeah, and it it's very it's a very grounded story and that could be said about all the the Christopher nolan uh Dark Knight movies um but I remember growing up, the Batman movies that I watched were the ones with like uh uh George Clooney. And the ones with like nipples on the bat suit and everything was latex. And it was really weird. Um, This it's like oddly inspiring to watch these movies because in all three of them, he has to overcome not even like external odds, but he has to like overcome like issues in himself. And he has to it's, it's there's character development in all of them. Um, And I think they are, they are all very good. And that is why Batman begins is my number four all right tyler number three okay number three we're getting into top threes i'm excited top threes this is a movie i've only seen one time um and it was hard to watch but it's a really good movie in my opinion uh for a lot of reasons and i'll tell you why the number three for me is goodwill hunting have you seen this movie i have yeah yeah this movie for me is so high on my list because of the type of characters and the type of story it is. It's probably like I I, I envy Matt Damon for having come up with it because it's <laughs> the exact type of story that I would want to tell. Exact type of story I'd want to tell. Um I love Matt Damon's character. I think as a I think it's because I'm a teacher. I think that's why I like this movie so much um, because there are people out there like that. Maybe not to the extent of um, the main character, but it's, there are people out there like that. Um, and so this movie, if you don't know is uh, about a very smart student who's not using his smarts for the right reasons. That's the basic way I can, I can describe this movie, but basically uh, if you can think of it, he's working as a janitor Um, at a school and there's this huge equation that nobody can solve and he watches people come by and try and solve it all the time this is kind of the opening of the movie and then all of a sudden they all come the next day and the equation is solved and everybody's wondering who it is they ask all the students nobody's actually giving the answer somebody tries to take credit for it but in fact it is the janitor who solved it and it's this young kid who you know he's wrapped up in like doing like he's literally working construction um, not using his brain that's just this extraordinary brain. He's not using it for what you would hope that somebody with that intelligence would be using it for. He uses it to swindle and to get the best of people to manip- manipulate people and to be terrible to people, get what he wants in the most manipulative ways. And it takes a counselor a very long time to to break through that. Um, and it comes from a lot of hurt and everything. But what, one of the things that I think this movie exposes that I like so much is that um, knowledge and And smarts is not going to be necessarily what gets you, um, success or what gets you to be a good person. I think in a way being smarter can actually end up being a curse. And so people can use easily, um, their smarts for the wrong thing. And we see that all the time. People who do these crazy crime heists, like really intense crimes are committed by really smart people, um, who just decided to use their intelligence for the wrong reasons, um, which is really sad. But, you know, this is an example of somebody being turned around and saying, you know, you don't, you're really smart and you know that and you're using that against me. But, you know, you don't have to be this way. There's some really good things out there and you could be helping so many people. Um, And just the way the story is told is very blunt and very real and very honest. Uh, And that's what I like the most about it. Is that uh, the the person, you know, the main character is not he. He's mean. He's very mean. Um, and and the the it's just it's crazy. Um, uh, so such a cool little turnaround towards the end. It's very realistic. I think very 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 good dialogue. One of the first things that I think it is the first thing that Matt Damon worked on, isn't it? This is the his dialogue. I, no. Oh no, the first movie. Yeah. Yeah, him, him and Ben Affleck, yeah. Yeah, and they wrote it, right? Mm-hmm. So um, props to them, because this is some fantastic writing. Seriously fantastic writing. I think my favorite, it may be my favorite monologue of all time is in this movie, and that's the movie that uh, the counselor gives to Will. I can't remember what the counselor's name is. I can't remember the character's names are, but... Um, uh, Robin Williams. Robin, Yeah, but Robin Williams gives a speech is to that demon on, on the park bench, and it's so good, and it's... And and the fact that they used the shot they did too it's a very slow zoom like a uh you can't even tell that it's zooming and then all of a sudden you realize by the end of the monologue you're right in Robin Williams' face. So mm-hmm. good cinematography but also very good dialogue. Oh, it's such a good dialogue. Uh anyway, so that's my number 3, Goodwill Hunting. That monologue I actually uh auditioned with for my my big senior drama. Um in high school i used that monologue um and i got the lead role and i yes. got to watch all my friends die it was great <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh in the play not in real life um Thanks but yeah, gratifying. no. <laughs> yeah the writing in that movie is off the his house that's what i was thinking that was i said that in my head that's probably what they thought when they wrote wrote it too they were probably they probably have little footnotes in there like this is off the his this house this is off the his house we <laughs> got <gonna> to make this <laughs> oh my yeah that is that is a fantastic movie i've only seen it once and honestly it was in high school and it was in class and so i need to sit down and like actually watch watch it but um my number three is into the spider verse i i is this is going to sound weird because this is my number three but i think this movie is perfect like, legitimately, I think every single frame, every single, like, piece of, of I, everything about this, man. It's so good. Um, wow, and it's number three. I can't even imagine it's what number... two and one are. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think the, the action is really great, but what, what really uh, impresses me about this movie, aside from the art direction, um, is it, it makes Spider-Man who granted is Miles Morales in this case, uh, Peter Parker's in it, but um, Spider-Man has been rebooted multiple times over the past, like 15 years. Um, it, it seems overdone. Um, this is like a really, really, really fresh interpretation of Spider-Man. And I was not expecting that going in. And so maybe my expectations were a little low uh, when I watched it for the first time, but It, even though it follows some of the same moments that are kind of, you know, uh, tried and true in Spider Man, uh, they do it in such a way where it like twists things and makes things their own. Where when watching it, I was like invested, even though I like was kind of like, I kind of expected that to happen. But at the same time, I was like, thank goodness that happened. You know, like it's just really good. The music, again, is really good. Um, Miles Morales' character. I think is really good uh his relationship with uh the other dimensional peter parker is really good uh jake oh geez jake johnson i think is who from new girl plays peter parker he does such a good job um nick cage is in it as as uh noir spider-man uh john mulaney is spider pig which just should not make sense but for some reason it makes sense in this movie um and yeah i We've seen on the big screen, we've seen Spider Man's origins three times, four times, including Tom Holland's. Well, I guess that's not really an origin story, but still. Um but it's just it's so powerful in this one. And you know, it has different I should say this, it has different Spider Men from different dimensions. So that's why Jake Johnson is Peter Parker, you have Spider Gwen, you have Spider Pig, you have noir spider-man and you have uh i don't remember her name robot mecha warrior spider girl um and yeah it seems like that's a lot going on but they make it work and it's not a long movie by any means um and yeah it's it's just a really pretty movie to watch the music is great the ending when he's holding Peter Parker up to the like particle accelerator or whatever it is that brings them into their own dimension. And all the lessons that Peter Parker was like reluctant to teach Miles Morales, Miles Morales is like reciting to him because Peter Parker didn't believe the things that he taught Miles Morales himself. And Miles Morales has to teach him the things that he taught him. Oh, it's so good. And then they let go. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's such a great movie. It has one of the most concise plots. Um, even with all the different dimensions and everything it, it all makes sense um it doesn't get convoluted at all um and yeah i I love every time I watch it it's like i I think I like this more than I, the last time I watched it. it's just it's so good, but that's my number three all right yeah that's a that's a really good movie. I do really enjoy it, and Spider*. better so I only watched it once though I need to watch it again' cause apparently it gets better every time so um <laughs> my number two is warrior yeah warrior is a fantastic movie uh the concept for those of you that haven't watched it yet is there is a uh there's it it follows the story of two brothers who uh have taken drastically different paths based off of where they came from um one's the younger brother one's the older brother um the older brother seems to have you know, gotten himself into a lot of trouble. The younger brother was able, or is that the, uh, am I getting that backwards? I, I think I'm think getting it backwards. By, yeah. So the older brother is actually the one that's a teacher. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, has now become a teacher, seems to be having a really regular normal life. They came from a background of where it didn't seem like they had the best home life uh, growing up. The other brother, on the other hand, the younger brother was a wrestling legend. In, uh when he was going through school and ended up getting into a bunch of bad stuff. Ends up having jail time. He's addicted to different pills and things, so um, he ends up not being in the best shape. The story, though, is both of these uh, two individuals, end- uh, they have a fighting spirit in them. They like to fight, and so you got a teacher now that's trying to make extra money doing fights on the side, and you've got this other guy who's who likes to fight at the local gym, but he's so good that... Um, he wants to, that he gets recruited basically to do this crazy tournament. On the other hand, you have the teacher who's trying to make extra money doing fights on the side. Wasn't this fighting guy in high school necessarily. Um, but he needs the money for this same tournament. And so he's motivated by the money. The other one's motivated by the fact that he wants to be the best fighter in the world. And you've got them who have clear, they've clearly had, they have bad blood with each other. They got beef with each other. They didn't grow up in, you know, the best home. Um, and all of a sudden they launch into this tournament uh and they're forced to fight each other in the end. y'all in the championship, I'm sorry if I spoiled that for you, but y'all, you need to watch this movie. It's so good, and it really hits uh it really hits hard on relationships between brothers, mm-hmm. but it also hits really hard in relationship with like parents and things unspoken um things are addressed in this movie. And the best thing about it is they're not addressed in a spoken way. And I think that's the coolest thing about this movie is that, um, there's a lot of things that happen in families that go completely and totally unaddressed entirely. And even in this movie, they are not addressed. Like they're kind of addressed, but they're not really solved. Everything kind of gets solved in the end. There's a resolution in the end. It's not necessarily solved, but there's a resolution in the end. Um, but it happens without them actually talking it out. It's just so interesting. Like imagine basically the way that I can, uh, a good way to sum up this movie would be two brothers fighting, uh, you know, they're, they're two brothers at odds and, you know, they have to fight it out except this time it's for a million dollars, you know? So, yeah, <laughs> it's really, it's, it's a very good movie. It's definitely not your cookie cutter movie either. So, um, I'm trying to set you guys up to watch this because y'all, you need to watch this movie. Um, it's, it's not a cookie cutter movie, but it's a fantastic one and it ends on a great note. Um, similar to that, the soundtrack is not anything that's particularly like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go listen to that when I go home, but they picked the right songs for the right moments. And I think that's what makes all the difference in this movie. There's not a ton of music in this movie, but that does make all the difference. So... Yeah. Yeah. That is a yeah, phenomenal movie. I watched it off of uh yours and Micah's uh recommendation back in college and I'm very glad I did because it would be something that even if I if it was like one dollar on the movie bin, I probably wouldn't pick it up. But holy cow, that is a great movie. Um Yeah. Okay. My number two is a new hope. If you watch the Star Wars episode, or when we rank Star Wars, you'll realize that this is my favorite Star Wars movie. So you can rest assured that there's not a Star Wars movie for me coming after this one. Um, I, from very similar to uh, Empire of Dreams, I watched this a lot growing up. Um, and kind of similar to what Tyler said about uh, Fellowship of the Ring, I think this is just a, such a fantastic beginning to uh like just an epic story um the world building especially on tatooine where it like dives into like the nitty-gritty not like what the really cool people are doing but in tatooine like that's what just like your everyday person is going through in this universe um they nail that um and again yeah i know i've talked about this a whole lot of times so i'm not i'm gonna keep it short um it's fun throughout the entire film the The character interactions uh, with, especially with Luke Han and Leia and Chewbacca and C three PO and R two D two and Obi Wan, it's just it all it works so well. They all play off each other. Um, It's so entertaining to watch. The music is fantastic. Um, You know, Darth Vader. is your introduction to one of the greatest uh, movie villains of all time. Um, And he has one of my favorite lines, which I like more and more every time I see this. And it's probably one that's pretty obvious, but when he says, I find your lack of faith disturbing, the more you think about it, it's like that's, that's pretty BA to say. And mm-hmm. the, as he's choking someone, um, especially because no one believes in what he believes in. Like it's it's really cool. Um uh Tarkin is a great villain too. Um and yeah, I I just love love this movie so much. Um for sentimental reasons and also because i just think it's it's a very very fun movie and at the end of the day there are times when i want to watch a serious movie and when i want to like be moved by something um but i really just enjoy enjoying movies you know mm-hmm. and i think this is a movie that i enjoy a lot so that's my number 2 star wars indiana jones both trilogies that i absolutely adore none of them made my list none of them which is crazy that's fair. But I, I love those movies to death. But anyway, okay, so going on. Here it is, number one. Are you ready? Yes. Guess what? My number one movie is animated. Yeah, that's right. The Prince of Egypt. Oh my gosh. I think that what you said about the Spider Verse rings true for me for Prince of Egypt. I think this movie's perfect. I really do. It for its time, in particular, it was even more perfect because it was innovative in its animation style. It was two D with three D elements, which you don't ever, you don't even see that now. It's either Mm three D or it's two D, but it's a two D animation movie with three D elements. Like there's a point in time where it like pans around Moses's head in the valley, and you can see the whole valley, or there's different you know three D elements that they kind of throw in there. So it's really interesting um, animation style, but the music in this movie is all around, by far, the most emotional set of songs that I've ever come across. Like, there's just so many fantastic songs uh, in this in this movie, and every part of it is so good. Oh, my word. So, think about this for just a moment. So, you watch any little tiny bit of documentary you can get on this, and trust me, you'll see it too. Somebody just said at DreamWorks, they're like, what if we did the story of Moses? And then someone was like, I like that. Let's do it. And then they and then they, they paid so much attention to it. You guys, they were like, this is people's Bible. Like, we're going to do an animated movie on this? And they're like, yeah, and we got to do it well. Because if we're going to do it, we got to do it well. And so the whole thing opens up with that whole burning bush uh, song, and it just puts white text over black screen. This is the story of Moses from the scriptures, and like it talk, it just lays it out, and it says that people have uh, been reading for thousands of years. This is the best uh, depiction that we can. We we took it straight from the Bible, and here it is. That's what they started with. <laughs> That's awesome, <laughs> and then. So it wasn't like a disclaimer. Uh, sorry if you don't believe it. It was just literally like, this is the story of Moses from the Bible, and we tried to do it as best we could. There you go. And they did it so well. And the fact that I still can't believe it, but seriously, an animated musical movie is my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> number one. It's it's a really, really good movie. So the burning bush scene, uh, There Will Be Miracles is a fantastic song. Um, And just think about the opening too, like you know, you see all the workers working, all the Hebrews working in Egypt, getting whipped around and everything, and then (laughs) this the the lady just deliver us, like at the very end, and then just boom, the black screen. (laughs) It's such a cool, such a cool opening, and you see, you know, Moses going in the basket and everything. So they they made it a cinematic, you know, work of art the whole story of Moses, and I can't even tell you how many times I've watched the burning bush scene, they did it so, so well, so well, because you see, like, you see the love that's in there from God in the burning bush to Moses, but you also see that wrathful moment, and you also see, like, the, but, you know, you see Moses think he can't do it, and you see uh, him getting wrapped around with the Holy Spirit, just saying, like, it's okay. Like, oh my goodness. It's just, it's insane the way they depicted it. I'm I'm surprised that they depicted it so well and so satisfactorily, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. the burning bush scene, very emotional. Seeing, like, there is humor. They mix humor into this story. And like, so they took, it's an, such an ambitious project and yet they pulled it off. I'm just... I'm very impressed I'm very impressed, so anyway, that's my number one the prince of egypt I think fantastic music, fantastic voice acting, amazing animation um and really overall good use of the story. It just it's great yeah i rem- I remember watching it as i don't remember much about the movie um I remember watching it as a kid. Um, it was one that we watched fairly often, uh, either at our house or at uh, our grandparents' house. Um, uh, but yeah, I've definitely been meaning to to watch that again. Um, you should, because as an adult, it's a whole new experience and a good one. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, it makes me think of, uh, I watched, uh, Oh, what did they call it? I think it was just called Noah with Russell Crowe. Mm. Do you remember that? I didn't and, actually watch it. Oh, it was terrible it was it was really bad um (laughs) so i heard yeah um but that's cool that that's that's cool that they were respectful about what they were telling yeah and and not trying to make it an action movie about monsters and lightning rock right demons and stuff and it's not like i want to be really clear about this to those of you that are listening it's not just because they did they paid justice to the story of Moses, and I'm like, "Ooh, I like the story of Moses, and I'm glad it's a good representation of it." It's a great movie, hmm. standalone. I don't care if you re- like, just literally, it's a great movie. The music is so good, like, oh man, it's just so good. I, I, I mean, I'm, I gotta stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's hear All it. Right. What's your number one? My number one is if you have listened to this podcast all the way through, you probably, like all the episodes, you probably know what it's going to be. But my number one is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a movie that came out two years ago, less than two years ago. And that is crazy to me because it's so recent. Um, But I cannot think of another movie that is more made for me like it, it checks all the boxes. It's a movie about making movies. I love documentaries, I love the behind the scenes footage of movies and I love great acting and stuff and this just marries all of it together and it's uh oh, it's so great. Um starring Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, Margot Robbie. Uh, I can't think of a better like trio than that. Um, even though Margot Robbie doesn't really interact with either of them much um but just oh it's it's a star-studded cast so good takes place in the 60s uh so the music is really good that's my favorite era of rock and roll music and they listen to the radio all the time in this movie and it's just oh it's so good i listen to the soundtrack so often i created my own soundtrack like drawing from inspiration from their soundtrack and uh, it's it's so good um And what's really cool is that it's a really, like it's a fun movie. It has really fun characters. They do fun things. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was acting in a Western and you get to see him throughout his day acting on one episode of a Western, rehearsing his lines, talking to the other actors, doing the actual scene. Um, You see Brad Pitt, who is is Leonardo DiCaprio's stunt double, who is out of work because uh, Leonardo DiCaprio isn't like a movie star anymore. So... He doesn't really have much work to do, so he's at uh, Leo's house fixing his antenna because that's all that Leo can pay him to do because he doesn't have work in the movie industry. And you have Sharon Tate, who's played by Margot Robbie, who is just coming into her stardom. Uh, she's she's uh, going to, to buy a book, and she sees that one of her movies is playing at the theater, so she goes and watches it, and she watches herself, and she's like, kind of nervous and then she sees everyone else in the audience start laughing at the jokes that her character is making and she's she becomes more comfortable and like i said before in one of our past episodes is like i resonated a lot with that because when i was showing the bozeman boys to the film fest and i was like i was really nervous when the jokes were being said and then once people started laughing at her jokes like there's just like this wave of calm and then like so i resonated a lot with uh margot robbie's character sharon tate um but the same thing is that not the, the same thing. Uh, the other thing is that, um, the way this movie was marketed is that looming over this. Cause this takes place in 1969, which is like the end of the golden era of Hollywood. What looms over that is the murder of Sharon Tate by Charles Manson and his cult of crazy hippies. Um, And so it's, it's almost like watching a ticking time bomb and you love these characters and they're doing all these fun things. And you see this, this character growth and stuff, but in the back of your head, you're like this, it's not going to last like this. It's going to come to an end, but you don't want it to. And the way the movie ends again, I'm not going to spoil this because you got to watch it. It just blew me out of the water. It was ah, so good. And I remember watching it for the first time, and I was like, "This is this is a pretty good movie." Um, and then I uh, think I took like a like I didn't watch it again for like another month. But then I took some friends to see it in the theater, and then I that that's when it like really hit me. And I was like, "This is actually something really special." And like into the Spider Verse, the more I watch this, the more I enjoy it, and the way it plays with so so like Leo's characters in a Western, um, and he's like faking being in a Western he's in the Western clothes and he's acting and all this stuff. And then, um, Brad Pitt's character is on his own adventure in the real world in the sixties, the late sixties. And the way it's shot is like a Western. It's, it's so the cinematography, everything just, it's, it's par- like, I, I said this about into the spider verse, but like this movie is perfect. There's, there's a couple moments that I'm like, uh, this didn't really need to be in it. So, but anyway, um, I freaking love this movie so much. Um, It's one that I watch very often. Um, It's always, like, I always put it at the top of, when I, like, stack my movies in the corner, like, I always put that on top, because it's like, that's probably one I'm going to pull at some point. Um, Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I have Um, to watch that one. You've said so many good things about it. I need to get in it and watch it. It's, yeah, it's so good. Um, Well, dang. Dang. That's our top 10. We have honorable mentions, though. We mm-hmm. have ones that wanted to be in this top list, but we said no to them. So um, I want to say, well, actually, Tyler, you go. You go with some of yours. I'm just going to tell you all the ones I have written down. I'm not going to say okay. much about them. I'm just going to say that they that they are great movies that you should go and watch. Um, k Packs. That's uh, one that I was expecting to be on your list. Yeah. I like that movie, but i watched it recently and I'm like, it's a good movie. Not on my top ten, but it's a good movie. K Pax. Mm-hmm. Um let's see, Donnie Darko. That one was close mm-hmm. to making it on the list, but dang y'all, it's so confusing. Like <laughs> like the I like movies that are hard to follow and like when you figure things out, you're like, Ooh, that's really cool. I remember going into this movie, like into the special features of this movie with Micah and like reading the extra note things and it was still confusing just kind of like too much, so it was too much. Hacksaw Ridge, fantastic movie. Yes. Um, let's see. Up. Hmm. Uh, good movie. Braveheart, nineteen seventeen. Very recent. Yes, that's a great movie. I was like, you know, I don't think that one sat long enough to really be able to determine whether or not that gets to be on my top ten. Mm-hmm. Um, Django Unchained, same same director. I you know. The first time I watched something from Quentin Tarantino, I thought, this guy's ridiculous. But <laughs> what he makes are works of art. He's got a really, really specific style, but yeah. they really are works of art. So Django Unchained is a really good movie. So, um, And if you watch anything from Quentin Tarantino, you can probably make a prediction as to what happens at the end of Keelan's movie, Django Unchained, any movie with Quentin Tarantino. He just slaps you in the face you got you got to have a strong stomach to watch some of his movies all of his movies but anyway those are the ones that were on my honorable mentions list what about yours uh my honorable mentions uh gladiator gladiator is on my honorable mentions that almost made my list too um let's see i had uh lion king the original disney one so great that holds a really special place in my heart because tyler you and i when we were on a disney cruise when I was like really like fighting internally, like who do I want to be kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. we saw the final scene on the big screen. Now it was a big moment. Um, Robin hood, the, the Disney version, the the animated one, that's one that sh- definitely needs to be in kingdom hearts. I don't know why it's not in kingdom hearts. It seems tailor made to be in kingdom hearts or kingdom hearts is tailor made to involve Robin hood. Um, remember the Titans. If we did this podcast episode a year ago, Remember the Titans probably would have been like number three for me. Mm -hmm. Um, that movie is fantastic. Uh, I, I wish the top 10 was like a top 50, you know? Um, the last one I want to talk about is Blade Runner 2049. Um, the reason why I love this movie so much, um, and I was really fighting to put this on my list. The only thing is I've only seen it once. I have it, but I've only seen it once. Um, the thing that blows me away about this movie is that the main character, Ryan Gosling, is not the main character of the story. It, this movie is a sequel to Blade Runner, which was made in the, the 80s, starring Harrison Ford. Ryan Gosling goes through this journey where he, he views himself as the main character. And he thinks, this story is about me. And he realizes by the end, it's not about me at all. It's about someone else who the audience has barely seen. And it's like oddly beautiful and kind yeah. of sad, but that's really interesting. Yeah, and he obviously he has the most screen time and everything, and you're led to believe that there's there's a, like he follows like this data trail that like shows that there there should be this this boy who was born the same time he was born and blah blah blah, um, and then things get like mixed up at the la- like halfway through but he it's really hard to explain again I've only seen it once anyway yeah he you go through this whole movie thinking that he's the main character and he's not he's he's not even like a side character Mm -hmm. like it's it's weird but it's Mm -hmm. so it works so well but Mm. yeah I have to watch that one too it's another one on my list it's really good have you seen Mm. the first one nope I have to watch that one too I should watch it first (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah you should because Harrison yeah. Ford is in the second one but and the, fir- the first one has one of the best that was one movie where I like I watched the whole thing and I was like I like I don't know if this is really that great of a movie until the final five minutes and someone delivers a monologue and everything starts to like oh my mm. gosh like holy crap this is awesome mm-hmm. and I yeah I really really like both of those movies um Yeah, really quick, to give thanks to our Patreon VIP supporters. Um, These are the people who have been donating money towards us, which, again, you do not have to do. We very much appreciate it. But um, all of our content, uh, we strive to make free for everyone. Um, But we want to give special thanks to Jordan Hem, who you've seen on this podcast multiple times, Justin and Becky Neal, and Josh Ferrera, thank you guys so much for being our Patreon VIP supporters. We appreciate you so much. Um, if you guys want to support us financially, uh, Patreon.com/slash Flicks and Clicks is a good opportunity to do so. We have three tiers. I believe it's five dollars for tier one, ten dollars for tier two, and twenty dollars for our VIP tier which gives you special access uh, to have, like, conversations with us and maybe dictate, uh, like, what topics we have on our show. And then you also get a very special shout-out at the end of our show. Um, if you want to follow us, uh, Twitter at Flicks and Clicks. That's F-L-I-X-A-N-D-C-L-I-X. If you're watching this podcast or listening to this podcast, you know how to spell it. So there you go. Uh, Instagram is at Flicks underscore and underscore Clicks. That's how you find us on Instagram. Just had to get that out of the way. Mm-hmm. Tyler, do you have any final parting words for our audience? Uh, go watch all the movies we just said right now. <laughs> if you haven't watched them, go watch them. They're really good. You'll see why we love them so much. Maybe you won't like them. But <laughs> honestly, you, you one of the cool things about doing a top 10 list is I think you find out a lot about the person. Because you know what they value and you know what they think is very good in a movie. So now you kind of know a little bit more about me. We know a little bit more about Keelan too. Yeah. And that was one of the main things that I was really excited about for this episode. Especially not only since you and I are brothers and Micah and Derek are brothers. Um, and so we had that like brothers and other brothers and all that stuff. But um, like we already did a top 10 movies. Like Flicks and Clicks as an entity already did top 10 movies. But there's that's all subjective. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many other people that have different opinions about different movies. And so I'm, I was really excited to do this. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. There it is. There it is. Coming up next on flicks and clicks. I think this is the last episode on our schedule. Um, so who knows what's coming next? Uh, (laughs) Oh my gosh. We have, we have some ideas. The one that we were planning to do next or last week, uh, we're postponing until we can have everyone uh, on board for it. Cause that's going to be a fun one. Um, we have one with Travis, Micah and I about the philosophy of video games. That's going to be a really good one. Stay tuned for that more movies and stuff for sure. Yeah. Stay safe out there. If you mm-hmm. see a rattlesnake steer clear is what I've heard. If you have the opportunity to steer otherwise run. <laughs> yeah. yes alright thank you guys we will catch you on the flippity flip oh yeah if we was having a roast chicken one night or something.